Hi everyone, welcome to the Christian Touch YouTube channel. Today I'm going to be talking about the spiritual warfare methods of the Word of Faith movement and the New Apostolic Reformation. Is true spiritual warfare about using powerful words to bring down your enemy? Paul did say in Ephesians 6.12 that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Today I'm going to be sharing with you the foundation beneath the spiritual warfare methods of the Word of Faith movement and the New Apostolic Reformation. Before I do that, I'm just going to define the main ideas behind the occult, the Word of Faith movement, and the New Apostolic Reformation. Occult doctrines started in the Garden of Eden where Satan opposed the truth of God. All occult religions, including Hinduism, Buddhism, Gnosticism, witchcraft, shamanism, and others, promote that we are gods inside, that we are divine. These religions are not simply man-made inventions, but they are doctrines that have come about when people put themselves into trances or altered states of consciousness and communicate with demons that pose as angels of light. Then the philosophy of Lucifer, which is Luciferian and the belief that mankind can become gods, developed throughout these various religions. Evil spirits tell people many good things and lure them in with the idea that we all have a divine spark inside of us. The Word of Faith movement, also known as the Health and Wealth or Prosperity Gospel, is a worldwide faction within Christianity that claims to access spiritual power through our thoughts and our words, whether we speak um, or think about things that are faith-filled or fear-filled. In other words, we believed that our words and thoughts were extremely powerful to bring about that which we put our minds upon or that which we proclaimed with our mouths, whether that be riches, success, health, poverty, rejection, or disease. In the Word of Faith movement, we are told that we can name and claim our desires, such as health, wealth, and success. We are to make statements such as, I am healthy, I am wealthy, prosperity follows me, I find favor wherever I go, I am successful, I am youthful, I have energy, etc. During the 14 years that I was in the Word of Faith movement, I believed that the words that I spoke in my prayer life when I was rebuking and binding evil spirits were supernaturally powerful and I assumed that my words and thoughts would go out into the universe and that the spiritual forces would have to obey me. The New Apostolic Reformation, also known as Dominion Now or Kingdom Now, has an emphasis on taking dominion over the earth and over the spiritual realm. It focuses on modern-day apostles and prophets, bringing about their supernatural revelation, which we assumed was just as divinely inspired as the scriptures. This movement brings the Word of Faith teachings to another level of supernatural experience and revelation. When I was in the New Apostolic Reformation, I was convinced that people today can be anointed to be apostles and prophets and prophetesses, just like the ones in the early Christian church. During the 25 years when I was in Pentecostal and Charismatic churches, members in my churches accepted whatever was taught by the Word of Faith leaders and the New Apostolic Reformation preachers. If someone claimed to be spirit-filled and was in either of these movements, we automatically trusted them. Because the New Apostolic Reformation rests on the bedrock of the Word of Faith movement, I often call the entire movement the Word of Faith New Apostolic Reformation. 
In the Word of Faith New Apostolic Reformation, we were taught that God gave dominion over the earth to Adam, and then Adam sinned, turning jurisdiction of the earth over to Satan. The devil lost the authority at the crucifixion, and Jesus turned the authority over to his followers. Now we, as Jesus' ambassadors, are supposedly the ones in charge of the earth. God is no longer sovereign, and we have all the authority. Hence, our spiritual warfare techniques needed to include giving the Holy Spirit permission, which we called loosing him. And that's the only way that God can act on the earth. In Luciferian teachings which come from Lucifer, it is thought that spiritual laws govern the universe and that spiritual forces, including God himself, must obey these laws. This ungodly belief that God is governed by spiritual laws strips him of his authority and his sovereignty and makes him impotent to act on the earth without the help of us believers. It makes him into a slave that must be obedient to an alleged occult law. In the Word of Faith New Apostolic Reformation, we were to order God to keep our commands and demands if we could keep, find a Bible verse to stand upon, and so we often used scripture to stand on what we desired. The main leaders of the Word of Faith New Apostolic Reformation tell us that we are little gods, that we have God's DNA, that we become divine when we are born again, that we are as much of a God and that we are as much an incarnation of God as Jesus. They tell us that just as dogs produce dogs and cats produce cats, when we were created, God produced gods. In the latter part of Isaiah 43.10, God says, Before me there was no God formed, and there will be none after me. If the word of faith new apostolic leaders were to deny that we are little gods, then we would not be able to believe that our words have supernatural power. If we were to reject the occult doctrine that says spiritual laws govern the universe, including God, then we wouldn't be able to use Bible verses to stand upon while commanding God to bring about health, wealth, and success for us. We'd have to let go of our spiritual warfare te techniques in which we believe that we have supernatural power. So where did the foundation beneath the Word of Faith New Apostolic Reformation originate? One avenue that brought this Luciferian philosophy into the Word of Faith movement comes from Phineas Quimby, who was an occultist who believed that people are divine within. He was a spiritualist who had contact with demons, and he came up with the idea of new thought, theorizing that our thoughts and words are supernaturally powerful. He believed that if a person was diseased and thought about being in perfect health, this person could bring about their own health because the God within them would cause their supernatural thoughts to become reality. Essek W. Kenyon was a preacher who liked what Phineas Quimby taught on positive confession and on new thought. He mingled these teachings with Christianity, and when one blends the truth with deception, the falsehood becomes much more subtle and easily believed. Kenyon taught that if one would think about wealth and proclaim wealth, one would become rich, and if a person was sickly, that person needed to begin proclaiming health. <clears throat> as far as I know, Kenyon was the first man to teach that Jesus went to hell and died spiritually, and that he became born again when he was re resurrected. But this teaching cannot be found anywhere in the Bible. Like E.W. Kenyon, teachers in the Word of Faith New Apostolic Reformation claim that Jesus went to hell, died spiritually, and was born again when he was resurrected. The idea behind this teaching is that Jesus became divine 
when he was born again. Can you guess what the implication behind this is? This heresy implies that when we are born again, we become gods whose thoughts and words have supernatural power. As you can see, the little God doctrine is actually foundational to the Word of Faith New Apostolic Reformation. One of the main verses I was taught in order to stand on the idea that our words are supernaturally powerful comes from Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Using this verse, we were taught that we would become sick if we mentioned that we weren't feeling well, or that we could bring death upon ourselves if we said something such as, this dessert is to die for. Or on the other hand, we could become healthy if we claim that we have health. Even if we're poor at the time, we should begin claiming that we are wealthy so that riches will come to us. It will manifest in the material realm if we speak it into the spiritual realm enough times. Does this verse about death and life being in the power of the tongue actually teach though that our words have supernatural power? Or does it mean that we can use our words to build people up or tear them down? A parent who tells his child that he's not going to amount to anything over and over might cause that to happen in the child's life because the child will begin to develop a low self-esteem and begin to believe that and will begin to act that out. And then if the child turns to alcohol and drugs to make themselves feel better about themselves, they truly could come to death because of the words from his father's tongue. So I don't believe that this verse teaches us that our words have supernatural power to bring us death or life if we say something like, my back is killing me. When a Bible verse is twisted, it becomes more deceptive than telling an outright lie because a person is more likely to trust a Bible verse. In the occult, quite often you'll see by writers who are mystical and in Gnosticism that they will take Bible verses and they will twist them to promote a doctrine that is actually against what the Bible says. There is another Bible verse that was frequently used to promote the idea that our thoughts are supernaturally powerful, and it comes from Proverbs 23.7. For as he thinks within himself, so is he. The likely meaning behind this verse is that a person may say that they want you to eat and drink something, all the while in their heart they are grudging what you eat, because you cannot always believe that what comes out of a person's mouth is what they intend with their heart. As we in the Word of Faith New Apostolic Reformation often heard it, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Therefore, if you think yourself healthy, you will become healthy based on the notion that these thoughts and intentions of the mind will become reality. When I was in the Word of Faith New Apostolic Reformation, I didn't realize that the Little God Doctrine is actually an intentional foundational belief of the Word of Faith New Apostolic Reformation. Many of the teachings of these movements are supported by the idea that we, as little gods, have power in our thoughts and words and in our verbal spiritual warfare to make things happen in the spiritual realm. This is then supposed to cause things to change in the material realm. None of my pastors actually told us that we were little gods, but since they were teaching that our words held supernatural power, they were actually confirming the Luciferian little god doctrine by default. In Christian circles, this doctrine of demons is dressed in Christian terminology. The intentions of the mind, which is what witches would call it, in Christian circles would be called faith or the faith force. Given that our thoughts and words in the Word of Faith New Apostolic Reformation held supernatural power, 
Our spiritual warfare methods were mainly about using commands and demands, making positive confessions, issuing decrees, rebuking Satan, and binding demons. Before doing these prayer methods, though, we had a formula that we needed to speak every morning. Putting the armor of God on was about speaking forth supernaturally powerful words, the ones like, I take the helmet of salvation and place it on my head. I take the breastplate of righteousness and put that on my chest. We verbally applied the belt of truth, the gospel shoes, our shield of faith, and our sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But I ask you, is the helmet of salvation something that we verbally put on? Or is it by our decision to repent and allow Jesus to become our Lord that we begin wearing in a, a helmet of salvation? And if so, does this helmet come off when we go to bed at night so that we need to put the helmet of salvation back on in the morning? Regarding the armor of God, was Paul telling Christians to speak forth a supernaturally powered prayer formula? Or was he teaching us to walk in Christ's righteousness as a soldier wears a breastplate? and to be in the Word of God, memorizing it and meditating on it, to use it as our sword, or to put our faith in Jesus and that that would shield us. Should we think that we can merely speak the words to put God's armor on, or should we actually just be doers of the Word? 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. Believing that our words and intentions hold supernatural power can lead to guilt when we don't achieve the protection, the health, the wealth, and the success that we have proclaimed. If the family member dies, we'll feel like we didn't proclaim their health enough or that we didn't have enough faith. One lady at our church had a really bad car accident, and she wrote an article in our church newsletter that said that um, she forgot to put God's armor on that morning. Now, witchcraft involves declaring and decreeing, demanding and commanding, invoking and casting spells. Witches believe that their words are supernaturally powerful because they believe they are divine within. Evil spirits give their power to these commands and demands in order to convince witches and Wiccans that they are gods. Since the power being used is demonic, this is practicing sorcery. Well, another lady at our church felt like God told her that one of the single men was supposed to be her husband. So she began pleading the blood of Jesus to keep him away from the woman that he was dating. She decreed that there was a circle of blood drawn around her and this man to bring them together and to shield them from this other woman. She declared and decreed that this man would marry her. Does that sound like witchcraft to you? In Deuteronomy 18.10, the Bible warns against several sorcerous practices that utilize demonic power. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination, one who practices witchcraft, one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer. In the Word of Faith New Apostolic Reformation, we also learned about territorial spirits, which are spirits that occupy certain regions of the earth. We tried to divine the names of these territorial demons so that we could call them out and verbally oppose them and take away their power. This teaching comes from Daniel 10, where Daniel was told that the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood an angel who was trying to come to Daniel. The prince of the kingdom of Persia would have been an evil spirit or a fallen angel that had to be overcome. 
Our teaching was that we had to take authority over these types of territorial spirits with powerful words to rebuke them and bind them powerless. Yet the Bible doesn't teach that Daniel was rebuking or binding demons with his mouth, but that he was praying in supplication. He was asking God to forgive his nation and he was fasting. Paul tells Christian to pray in supplication, making requests, asking God's will, which is the main difference between Christians and witches because witches pray in commands and demands. In Philippians 4, 6, Paul says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So supplication is the act of imploring or of asking in humility. We in the Word of Faith New Apostolic Reformation took the ordering around of demons to a new level. We called demons by the names of human sin, like lust, alcoholism, addiction, and greed, or we gave them the names of illnesses like cancer or arthritis. We would say that we bind these spirits powerless and we would command them to leave a person. Now God is the only being who is omnipresent. He was everywhere at one time and he can hear us from wherever we pray. We in the Word of Faith New Apostolic Reformation gave too much power to Satan. We treated him like he was omnipresent and could hear us from wherever we spoke our commands and demands. When I wanted my husband to be free from alcohol, I walked around our land and home seven times as instructed by a prophetess, as if there was power in that method. I said things like, I bind you powerless, Satan, and I rebuke you. You may not touch my family. I was binding all the alleged demons of alcohol and addiction, and I was loosing or releasing God's spirit to work in my land. I applied oil that had been prayed over to the door frames of my house, as if this anointed oil had some inherent power in it, similar to the way pagans used charms with their magical powers. And I loosed God's spirit to work in my husband's life, commanding that God keep his word. I used Bible verses about deliverance and told God to make sure that his word does not return to him void. Now it makes me sad to realize how I cheapened the Holy Spirit and how disrespectfully I spoke to him and treated him. Instead of believing in a cult law that alleges that the God of the universe must do what I said, I should have been making supplication to God and asking him to defeat the enemy, as well as keeping my focus on Jesus. My time would have been much better spent in God's word, meditating on it, and filling my mind with the thoughts of God. This would have prepared me for the trials that I would soon be facing at that time in my life. As to rebuking, even the archangel Michael didn't rebuke Satan when arguing over the body of Moses. Jude 1.9 tells us, But Michael the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued over the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Michael the archangel knew that all power and glory belonged to God forever, that the power was not his own to speak forth. While we are in a spiritual battle, do we win by verbally barraging our enemy, or is it actions? Can you imagine two armies yelling back and forth at one another and expecting to win the battle without engaging in a physical fight? Just like when God spoke the world into existence, we were taught that our words have co-creative power to cause those things that are not to come into being. So if my husband was not sober, I could bring sobriety into existence for him by speaking it forth. Again, this idea rests on the foundation that our words are supernaturally powerful since we are gods. 
We were told that God doesn't want us to ask for his will because that isn't faith, but that God is pleased when we use commands and demands and when we declare and we decree. When Timothy was sick, did Paul tell him to bind the enemy powerless, to visualize health, or to make positive confession claims like, I am healthy? In the occult, it is a common theme to believe that our words and thoughts are powerful. Phineas Quimby, the founder of New Thought, was not the only one who believed that we would become what we think. In New Age spirituality, this doctrine is at the heart of the positive confession, powerful words teachings, and it is called the Law of Attraction. The Law of Attraction came to a woman named Esther Hicks who channeled evil spirits. Channeled books are written with the help of evil spirits to promote doctrines of demons. Some channeling methods of writing books include a person going into a trance or an altered state of consciousness and allowing spirits to either write or type through their fingers, or allowing spirits to dictate books by speaking through their mouths while someone else writes down the words, or by dropping thoughts into a person's mind. My next video, I'm going to be talking about some of the main doctrines in some channeled books, such as A Course in Miracles, The Law of Attraction, God Calling, Ramtha, A Voyage to the New World, and Seth Speaks. If you're interested in how New Age spirituality is bringing about the blending of religions, subscribe and hit the bell below so you'll be notified when that video comes out. This teaching was popularized by many in the New Age spirituality, such as The Secret, which is a book written by Rhonda Byrne that's also been made into a movie. Napoleon Hill, the author of a book titled Think and Grow Rich, claimed to have gotten his information from invisible entities also. He said, anything the human mind can conceive, the human mind can achieve. So you know where these doctrines come from. The foundation for the law of attraction is from the serpent's lie in the Garden of Eden, that we are gods, and therefore our words, intentions, and thoughts are creative and powerful. Because demonic power is used to bring about our desires, using this method is sorcery. We are told that in latter days people will be attracted to doctrines of demons. 1 Timothy 4.1 tells us, but the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Who would have suspected that these doctrines would now be coming from within the church and that people would fall away from the faith because of them? Imagine Satan's delight in convincing Christians to use Bible verses to command and demand God around and to declare and decree as witches do. We thought we could use Bible verses as incantations that would go out into the universe and bring about our words. It must give the devil a lot of satisfaction to see how he has duped Christians into using the name of Jesus in the same way witches speak forth their spells, as if his holy name is a way to get what we want out of this life. We often see signs and wonders in church meetings where Lucifer's little god doctrine is foundational, where words and thoughts are used as a method of supernatural power. We see sorcery used in services where miracles are sought, where supernatural signs and wonders are looked for, where leaders are commanding sickness to come out of a person's body, where people are declaring and decreeing prosperity to come to them where the kundalini serpent power is throwing people over backwards and causing their bodies to jerk and twitch, and where people are shrieking, barking like dogs, hissing like snakes, and roaring like lions. 
So if you're interested in learning a little more about the kundalini serpent power, which is infesting some of our churches, I did make an earlier video called Antichrist Signs and Wonders. Galatians 5.19 calls sorcery an act of the flesh and tells us that those who practice sorcery will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul told the Galatians, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and sorcery. At the end of the verse, he says, I warn you as I did before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Sorcery is a lawless practice that will cause many to be deceived and that will cause people to go after the Antichrist signs and wonders of the end times. In Matthew 7, 22-23, Jesus said, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Revelations 21.8 tells us, But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. What is true spiritual warfare then? I believe that it is knowing our enemy and his strategies, loving our human enemies, studying our Bibles. Spiritual warfare is when we study apologetics so that we can know the reasons for our Christianity and help others to come to the faith because of this knowledge. Some forms of wrestling against the enemy could include walking in peace and joy in the midst of trials, walking in the fruit of the Holy Spirit, being transformed into the image of Jesus through the power of God's Spirit, allowing God's Spirit to convict us of sin. Wrestling of the enemy is when we keep our focus on God and resist the thoughts that come into our mind that are sinful. If you get an adulterous thought in your mind, you can put it out with the Word of God because the mind can only focus on one train of thought at a time. Taking every thought captive is a form of spiritual warfare, as is demolishing heresies and exposing deceptions that raise themselves against the message of the Bible. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 tells us, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, because the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortress. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Spiritual warfare includes drawing people out of the kingdom of darkness and into God's kingdom. It includes casting demons out of people who are possessed, and the demons are subject to Jesus' name. We must remember, however, that it is the name of Jesus that is powerful and not our words. And nowhere in the Bible do demons get the name of sicknesses, diseases, or human sins. Sorcerous spiritual warfare methods aren't only being promoted in Pentecostal and Charismatic churches, but in mainstream Christianity. For instance, War Room is a movie put out by the Kendricks brothers in which Priscilla Schur and Beth Moore played leading roles. While praying is always good, the methods of the movie reminded me very much of those sorcerous techniques that I learned in the Word of Faith New Apostolic Reformation. If you'd like to assist me in this spiritual warfare effort in helping people to see the deception, please share this video on your social media, like your Facebook groups or on Instagram. And if you have family members or friends in the Word of Faith New Apostolic Reformations, 
challenge them to listen to this video as well as to my other videos. Together we can get the word out about the sorcerous spiritual warfare techniques and the Luciferian little God doctrine. I really look forward to interacting with you in the comments section below. Thank you very much.